On today's episode of Sports in the World Football Edition, me and Chris recap the AFC and NFC Championship games. We talk about the Baseball Hall of Fame inductees. Chris gives you his thoughts on the captain, Derek Jeter, in a very Chris-like way. We talk about Conor McGregor, throwing a little Antonio Brown, and so much more. That's today on Sports in the World Football Edition. Brown, and on behalf of Chris and myself, we both want to thank you for listening to Sports of the World Football Edition, wherever podcasts can be heard. If you have any comments, thoughts, good, bad, or indifferent, head over to our social media at Sports the World, both Twitter and Instagram. Head over to the Facebook page, Sports and the World, to go to the About tab, listen to every episode, check out the content, leave your thoughts and comments there as well. Once again, we thank you for your time for listening to Sports in the World Football Edition. And welcome into Sports and the World Football Edition. I'm Ladarius. And I'm Chris. And if you're listening to us through Anchor, Spotify, Apple, Google Podcasts, or wherever your podcast can be heard, we both really do appreciate it. And how are you? I'm, I'm cold, man. I am I am cold. I know you got to be cold down there because uh, you're, you're catching the uh, the weather I'm getting right now. Yeah, you know it, it's a beautiful invention. It's called indoors. So it's, <laughs> I in in the heater. I I thought I'd never have to use that down here. I'm it's, I thought it was some feeble minded contraption, but I figured how it works, so it all worked out. <laughs> so it's all matters. So, <laughs> so speaking of of uh, things that figured itself out. Well, we figured out who's going to the Super Bowl, starting from the AFC and between the Titans and the Chiefs. And uh, give me your thoughts on that. All all good things must come to an end. Uh, all story, some all not every story ends happily. Uh, not everyone is a Disney fairy tale, and it was proven. Uh, this past weekend with the Titans uh, hats off to them for making it as far as they did. If we take anything away from it, it's just the sheer fact that they beat new England. That's all, that's all I care about. They beat new England. Um, and then they went to Baltimore and beat a very tough Baltimore. And unfortunately, uh, Patrick Mahomes came in and said, I mean, he he Dikembe Mutombo them. He he waved his finger and said, "Not in my house." Um, it it was it was a great game. Not again. Not bashing the the Titans. I mean, I like I I think I even talked about it last week that I was kind of riding them um, as the underdog, and I really really wanted to see them go far. Um, now on the other side of the coin. Andy Reid has busted his ass for many, many years in the NFL and never got an opportunity like he has right now to be able to go to the Super Bowl with a team that actually stands up against the competition. Um, so I'm really excited about seeing Kansas City win and and go to the big game. But still hats off to Tennessee. You know, Ryan Tannehill had uh, – he went 21 for 31, 209 yards with two touchdowns. Uh, they The key to this game is they shut Derrick Henry down. Derrick Henry had 19 attempts on 
69 yards and one touchdown. His longest was a 13-yard run. That was it. And and that that showed if you shut Henry down that that was going to be the ball game. Um, you know, Corey Davis did the majority of the bulk work through the air. Um, he had eight targets, five receptions, 65 yards. Um, you know, but if you look on the other side with Kansas City, you know, Mahomes went 23 for 35, 294 yards, three touchdowns. He also ran a touchdown in. Williams ran one in. And then Sammy Watkins caught one. And then Tyreek Hill caught two. Um, they they spread the ball around. I, I I think Patrick Mahomes is a Terminator. He might be a T-1000. Or this is neither the Matrix, and he's one of those guys that run around with the Desert Eagles that can just bend space and time and and just really piss on Neo's parade. Um, he has to be. He's not human. He listened to that Little Wayne album, I'm Not a Human Being, and took that shit in the most serious way possible. And it was proven this weekend. Um, hats off to them. I mean, just from the start of the game until the end, you, you kind of knew going into uh, the I think it was the beginning of the fourth quarter. You you knew that this game was was gonna be uh, was gonna be done. But hats off to them. Um, I'm excited to see the Super Bowl. Uh, Mahomes is such a multi-threat deal. If you sleep on him, he's going to throw it over your head for a touchdown. If you try to stack the box and you 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 put eight in the box and you push it in the single man, you blitz him. He's just going to run up the field on you. I mean, there's just there's no stopping this guy, and Andy Reid just uses him to such precision, and it's so scary that this kid is so good this young. I think we're seeing a new dynasty right here. And, you know, w- without question, and I think I said on a previous. I think I said early on when I did the football podcast, when I ranked the, the teams and I had Kansas city in the top 10. And one of the things that I said then, and it's, I think it's come to fruition now. And I've said, I said it then is that this is Andy Reid's best team he's ever had. Even, even as great as those teams he had in Philly, this team he has in Kansas city is the best team he's ever had. And it's a testament to it's a, you know obviously you know it always helps to have Patrick Mahomes, you know that that's a that's a major plus there, but I think more importantly, what Kansas City did. Listen, they were down again in this game, and then they just did like the basketball. They did the equivalent of a fast break, and they went on a 28-0 run, essentially, and they did the same thing they did last week against Houston, and you know Andy Reid he's going back to the Super Bowl since the '04 season. And back in Super Bowl 39, you know, no, Chris, one of the things that I, you know, once again, congratulations to the Chiefs. I said, you know, the Super Bowl, but also to the Titans, you know, Derrick Henry was held to only seven yards rushing in the second half. And, and that to me was a, was a major, major factor is that, you know, I, I said last week, I said, Ryan Tannehill has to beat the Kansas City Chiefs and it didn't happen. That defense for Kansas City. You know, it proves to show that that signing of Frank Clark, that trade, is worth dividends. If you have to look back on all the moves that were made by the Kansas City Chiefs, that move stood out because they needed a pass rusher. You know, that oh, no D Ford, you bring in Frank Clark and it works out. You know, like you say, with Tyreek Hill, Sammy Watkins, Damian Williams, it, it, it felt like from 
it, it really felt that even when they were down, I had confidence they were going to win because they proved last week that they could do the same thing. Yeah, I mean, it. there's just not enough that that can't be said uh, with both teams. I mean, more so on, on the Chiefs because their, their ability, like you said, to do those fast breaks, they score faster. I mean, I'm sure there's a stat out there that some statistician is keeping. They have to be the fastest scoring team in the NFL, hands down. Yeah, um, they, they are. They are. I think they're... I think their time of possession is, I think I talked about in a previous episode where their time of possession, it may not seem like much. It, they don't grind. They're not a grind a clock team. They're not that they're not built for that. They're not built for grinding it out. And I think they're like in the top five and, you know, in terms of just scoring, it's just kind of like how Baylor was in college football, where it's like, boom, boom, boom. Like you really couldn't measure, you couldn't measure on the, but you could definitely see the product. It's just like they know what they are and and they do what they do on a weekly basis. Yeah. Um, there's just there's just so much just talent on that team. And again, not taken away from, from Tennessee. Tennessee is is a force to be reckoned with, I think, uh, next season. You'll see them I I think play better, play stronger play faster, um, and and Tannehill, I think, can only get better. He has – he's got the tools around him. He's got everything he needs. Uh, yeah, they just – they play a tough schedule, and, uh, you know, their, their, their division definitely isn't the exact cakewalk that, uh, that other teams might have, but – uh, it was it was just such a good game overall. I'm I'm happy to to see Kansas City go on, and there, it's going to be one hell of a game between them and the 49ers, and that's that's putting it mildly. Yeah, it's going to be it's going to be great. And speaking of the aforementioned Niners, you know, you know when when I saw this game, and I said it like I think I said it when I predicted, and I think I believe I said Chiefs and Niners in the Super Bowl. And people, and you know, you know, people like the upset. People are like you can't go against Aaron Rodgers, but Chris, I can't go against the way this 49ers team is. This is the, this is probably Chris. This is probably the most complete team in the NFL. You know, they had you know bogus loss. You know, they had like the occasional loss. Every good team does, but for the most part, they were complete, and it and it and it unequivocally showed. It, it showed on the field Sunday, and just give me give me some of your thoughts on that game. Um, if Green Bay would have played with the intensity in the second half that they did the first half, um, I think that we'd be in a, in a different situation right now. Uh, Aaron Rodgers, just that defense was ready for him. Um, they, they got people on and off the field quick, so he couldn't do his pre-snap, uh, chest match to get some free yardage. Um, they played a very, like you said, a very, very tight game on both sides of the ball, you know, San Francisco, um, just showing the completeness of them. I think Green Bay, it's a typical situation where your offense is not playing well and your defense has to pick up the slack and they spend so much time on the field and they just get, they just get worn out. They, they, they looked gassed by halftime. You know, San Francisco had uh, 27 points up at the half to zero. 
Now, at the same token, you know, you got to remember the, the Falcons did that. And I'm not just trying to bust your balls, but, you know, the Falcons yeah. did that. It kind of sounds like you are. It kind of sounds like you are. No, nah, man, you know I wouldn't do that. <laughs> um, you know, and they came back, you know, and, and, and beat Atlanta, you know. And, and that's honestly what I thought. I got a buddy of mine who's a San Francisco fan, and he was all hyped up at halftime. And I was like, it's still Aaron Rodgers, like. You got to watch yourself like this dude, like he's a wizard when it comes to this shit. And then the third quarter came and San Fran scored again. And I was like, row, row. and Green Bay just didn't. I, I don't want to say they didn't play hard. It's just not the best game I've seen them play. Um, they, they were sloppy tackling. They were sloppy on coverage. Uh, and, you know, honestly, I don't want to say that the refs have a thing to do with it, but the the refs have a, a thing to do with it, I think. And they weren't getting the calls that they always got. I mean, Aaron Rodgers threw a hell of a game. I mean, he went 31 for 39, 326 yards with two touchdowns, but he threw two picks. Uh, Aaron, you know, Jones, he only had uh, 56 yards and a touchdown. He didn't do much on the ground. Devontae Adams led the charge in, on the air raid at 138 yards with nine receptions. Uh, Jimmy Graham only had 59 yards on four receptions. Uh, you know, I, I think that uh, they contained him. That that was they they contained Jones, and for the most part contained uh, you know the air and and picking those and getting those two interceptions. You know, Garoppolo he got the participation award for the game. Uh, he threw eight passes, eight attempts, made six of them for 77 yards. And then uh, Moster was literally the reason why they won with 220 yards and four touchdowns. You know, uh, it was a very ground. It, they ground the game out, like you like, you like to say. Uh, they just, they were the salt shaker and just crunch, 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 man. And Green Bay got tired. Green Bay, really, honestly, and I've said it all season, their run defense hasn't been the best. I think I've, I've highlighted it on more than one occasion during the fantasy rundowns if you, you know, for defenses and stuff. And uh, San Francisco took advantage of that. You know, and I think, I think we discussed it. I think I discussed it last week. I said uh, Green Bay played San Francisco earlier this season. And Chris, they lost for the very same reason. This, this to me, and I know you're, you're being very nice to Green Bay. I'm not going to blame the ref because I'm going to go back to the same point I always make about the Saints being pissed at the referees. The last that I checked, the referees aren't did doesn't have a jersey on. They have a striped shirt on. Unless if they're in New England, yeah, you know, you know that part too. But you know what? What I saw, Chris, I saw a team that played a very, very to to use to use a baseball concept, which we'll talk about later on the back end, to use a baseball concept, this was pretty much a complete game. It was it was it was very hard to find a flaw in in this team, and and I said when Kyle Shanahan took this job, it was going to be a rebuild, but this is year three, Chris. This is year three. Yep. This is year this is year three, and you know you know and by the way you know it was going to be a trivia question, but I said no. I said, you know, I'll save it for the show. You know, his old man, you know, Mike Shanahan, that Denver team, you know, he won his, you know, won his first playoff game in his third season. Oh, by the way, that year, that Denver team, I believe, won the Super Bowl. So I'm just saying, 
this is, you know, it's a very, you know, Shanahan, you know, they know how to build the run game. It's all, it starts up with the zone blocking. It starts with creating, it starts up front with this team. And, you know, Jimmy G, God bless him, he showed up. He probably had Starbucks because he didn't do much. And, you know, he didn't have to. He didn't have to. And when you understand, you know, when he understand, listen, he, you know, there's weapons. Like, let's, let's be very clear. They have Emmanuel Sanders. They got George Kittle. They got Debo Samuel. Like, Chris, they, they have weapons on this team. But when you, when you see the game that Raheem Mostar had, you know, running 220 yards and four touchdowns, you really don't need to throw the ball. You yeah. really don't. They, well, they, they saw the, uh, the chink in the armor and just kept chipping away at it, man. And that's, and that's where teams uh, – that's where you figure out who's a good coach because you, you get good coaches that they see that the weakness and they just keep prying at it. it, it it's like in the UFC. If you're throwing, uh, you know, lower leg kicks – and you start seeing a bruise form up on the guy's thigh, are you just going to start taking body shots? No, you're going to keep chopping away at that leg. That leg's going to give out. and Or you make the stupid decision, and you allow them to change their their stance, or in, in the case, you change your defense, and you, uh, you know, or excuse me, you change your offense, and you start passing the ball all over the place, you know, you you can make the silly mistakes and that could cost you a game. Shanahan said, you know what? I'm seeing that the run is working and that they can't stop us to save their life. So, you know, we'll give it to Mostert and just keep feeding him the ball and just letting him do his thing. Absolutely. And, you know, the thing with Mostert, you can't say enough. He had the second most rush yards in a playoff game since, you know, Eric Dickerson had 248 against Dallas. He's the third player in to have four rushing touchdowns in a playoff game. Ricky Waters, also for the Niners, he had five against the Giants. But Garrett Blunt for New England, he had four against Indy back in 2014. And here's the great stat, Chris, because I love stats and I love numbers. He's the only player in NFL history to rush for at least 150 yards and three touchdowns in the first half of a yeah. playoff. <laughs> I was gonna say let's let's take a look at that. That the majority of that with that workload was uh was in the first half. Exactly. In the, first the second half, half, Green Bay was just grinding the clock trying to get as many points as they could. And and you know and one of the things is is that listen, like you say with Aaron Rodgers doing three twenty six yards, he had the two touchdowns and the two picks. But here's the thing, Chris. That was his seventh career playoff game with three hundred or more passing yards. That's fourth all time. Brady has 16, Manning, Peyton Manning has nine, Drew Brees has eight. It, there's no doubt about it, and I've said it ad nauseum. Aaron Rodgers, out of those four dudes, he's the way more talented quarterback. It's just pure athleticism. Yep. I, think we can, I think we can agree on that. Absolutely. I think the knock on Aaron Rodgers' career is, is that he's going to be the guy that puts up the stats but only has one Super Bowl. And yep. to me, he's, like, he's a Hall of Famer. You know, I, I'm not taking anything away. But this is the point that I have to pull people back on. It's like, look, I don't care. You know, I blame a lot. A lot of years, I blame Green Bay management, the previous regime. You know, you, you know the Mike McCarthy. You know, even kind of, kind of back to that. You know, where Aaron Rodgers got drafted. Like it was basically, like I say, it was basically he was just in Timberlake, and everybody else was like in sync. He had to do all the work. Like no disrespect to the goes in sync or. I'll get some, uh, I'll get, you know, feedback from that. But one of the things is, Chris, is that 
that Green Bay defense, they didn't – they had tape, Chris. And this is one of the things that you played this team earlier in the season and you couldn't stop the run. You, this is what Kyle Shanahan and Robert Saleh, the defensive coordinator, this is what they said, Chris. We will let Aaron Rodgers throw the ball over the place because we know that no, they, you know, we would rather lose to Aaron Jones than to Aaron Rodgers. Period. You see it in basketball. You see it in every single sport, in baseball. There's always that one guy in the lineup, like Barry Bonds, for years. They would literally walk Barry Bonds with the guy in scoring position because they said we would rather lose to maybe a Jeff Kent or somebody else in that lineup, Chris, but we're not going to lose to Barry Bonds tonight. Yeah, exactly. So we'll attention to walk him. And I think that was the game plan going in. And and to a degree, it, 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 it to, to a degree, it worked out perfectly because at the end of the day, Chris, not not only that run attack, but you've heard me talk about that Niners defense. As I mentioned with Robert Saleh, Joe, you know, you know, both it's something about the Bosa gene. You know, he, he played at school in Ohio. I can't think of the name off the top of my head. I'm sorry. I think it's in Columbus. Can't think of the name of it. <laughs> I'll get back to you. I'll get back to you when I figure that out. But you know, Nick Nick Bosa, look. Ninth rookie with three sacks in the postseason. Richard Sherman. How about Richard Sherman? This dude took a contract incentive base because he believed in him. He betted on himself. Yep. Yeah. I, you know, he he played a hell of a game. I am not. I am not sad in the way that he played at all. Um, I. I'm I'm happy to see him excel, and uh, you know I I'm it, it's going to be a hell of a matchup watching. Patrick Mahomes gunslinging all over the place and and Sherman creeping around in the uh, in the back there. It, it's going to be super fun. And the thing with Richard Sherman, like he's the sixth player, thirty one years older with multiple interceptions in a postseason since the year two thousand in a postseason run. Ronnie Harrison had to some Ed Reed, Ty Law, Aeneas Williams. By the way, they're all in the Hall of Fame. So once again. It's a discussion of Richard Sherman's a Hall of Famer. I, I you know, I tell people on that Legion of Boom, uh, I, I, I make the case for Richard Sherman. You know, and you hear me talk about well, Russell Wilson doesn't get credit. Well, well, yeah, we have Richard Sherman on one side, and and you know, Darrell Reeves. I have to say this before we move on. Darrell Reeves has the nerve, the audacity. And I was, I was just about to bring that up and say if, and see if you saw that. And I just looked at Darrell Reeves, and you know him very well. He was a Jet. Long time. Well, I take nothing away from Darrell Reeves, Chris. But, you know, it, it went from Reeves Island to that island really got filled up. <laughs> it, it just like it really felt that island disappeared really quickly the older he got. So Richard Sherman's, you know, over 31, and he's still playing, to me, one of the more underrated athletic positions on the field at corner. And the Darrell Rivas, count to me how many times with the Super Bowl. Count how many times you made the postseason. Yeah. If, you're, if you're that good, Chris, if you're if you're that good, listen, Darrell Reeves was a top five quarter in this league at one point for like two, three years. But the thing is, Chris, you can't rest on your laurels. And that's exactly what Darrell Rivas did. No, abs- the- absolutely. Yeah. You can't if if you're gonna if you're gonna talk shit have something to back it up, you know? And, uh, as much as I love Revis, I, I think I actually still have one of his jerseys in my closet. Um, 
he he never went to the big the big town you know i mean and 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 that and that's the thing it is where if you're going to insult anybody if you're going to don't come at richard Sherman. yeah because a a he's going to come right back at your ass exactly richard sherman is a very see the thing is very smart dude very smart dude you know and I can understand if Richard Sherman, if they would have lost this game, it would have kind of vilified Darrell Rivas, but they didn't. And it was really upsetting. And a lot of people looked at the league and looked at Darrell Rivas and went, really? It's, it's, it's basically saying that you're getting mad because he got the girl and you didn't. Well, Chris, like Chris, there's a thing. It's a great invention called a mirror. You might want to look into that because maybe it's a you problem. Not a him problem or a her problem. It's a you problem. And, and speaking of problem, listen, of no problem. Like going back to Jimmy G, Chris. Listen, <laughs> seventy-seven yards. Listen, that's the second fewest in a conference championship game in the history of the NFL. And it, and and speaking of the transition, you know, you go from a guy who you know. Richard Sherman, who talked a lot to Jimmy D, who he didn't really do a lot of talking. He just did a lot of just, you know, hey, he was like a waiter. Yeah. He was a glorified waiter, just handing the ball off, and here you go, sir. Here you go, sir. 77 yards. And here's the thing. That's the second That's the second fewest in a playoff game, in a conference championship game. Tony Eason, that Miami team back, and they played the Bears. That 86, you know, 85 Bears team. I think you guys know what happened. <laughs> but if you go look up 80, go Google 85 Bears, and you know what happened in that Super Bowl. You know, David Woodley, Miami, lost. Jimmy, only one quarterback, only one quarterback threw, you know, had the fewest pass, threw for less than 100 yards in a conference championship game to win the Super Bowl. And that, my friend, it's probably your trivia question. And I'll throw hints because I'll give the answer out to the other one later. But I, I put, you know, I talked about this list, Chris, because we talk about the quarterback position. We talk about Patrick Mahomes and Aaron Rodgers. But Jimmy G's looking back like, I don't have to do anything. Yeah. And, and you know, and I heard some, you know, and I saw Falcons fans were pissed off. Like, what did Kyle Shanahan run the ball? And listen, I was equally questioning that. And that, to me, that's a fair question. But here's my response to that. And this is being perfectly honest. I just believe that we didn't have the stable of running backs that this team had to run the clock out. I'm not defending. I'm not here to defend Kyle Shanahan. I'm defending. I'm not defending Kyle Shanahan, the play caller. I'm defending the talent the Atlanta Falcons had. Because, you know, outside of, you know, you know, you know, I think we had Tevin Coleman on that team. We had, listen, you know, there's Devontae Freeman, but they were. It's about personnel. That offensive line, Chris, is not the offensive line in San Francisco. I defend it. I'll defend Kyle Shanahan on that. Because even though Matt Ryan could have easily been like Jimmy G and just hand the ball off, that's not the way. It basically, they went out the way they went out the way that got them there. That's just like life. You go out the way that you got in sometimes. Whether it's a business, you you, you go, you go, you're, you're not gonna sit there and go into a company and go. Oh, well, I'm just going to leave quietly. Some people just leave stealing stuff and break, you know. But anyway, what the point is, is that 
I defend Kyle Shanahan. I, I like to see the coaching matchup because of the lineage of the Shanahans and Andy Reid. It's, it's going to be an absolutely phenomenal, phenomenal thing. And, and transitioning on, I'm going to talk about the minority hiring as a bonus feature if you after this episode. So tune in for that because I, I got a lot to say about that. So I'm not going to go into it, but let's just say if I was a teacher, Chris, the NFL gets they're not passing. So mm-hmm. I'll just leave it. I'll, I'll leave it at that. I'll go into that rant there. But I do want to transition, and I know you want to talk about, you know, the captain, not not the guy on the Titanic, not the Captain Corelli man. No, no, no. We're talking about the captain. Oh, captain, my captain. <laughs> the floor is yours, my man. Talk about your captain. So, you know, I grew up watching this guy. And uh, let's let's highlight his career a little bit. Rookie of the year, five-time World Series champion, five-time Silver Slugger, uh, 14-time All-Star, five-time Golden Glove, World Series MVP, All-Star MVP, and now a future Hall of Famer, Derek Jeter. Now... For whoever the one guy was that didn't vote for him, first and foremost, fuck you. You have to hate your life. You have to hate children, puppies, ice cream, and everything that's nice in the world. Like I honestly don't think Derek Jeter has ever hurt, like... A, a, a person ever. I mean, he was just such a class athlete. And and here that one person wants to wants to be that guy. I'm guessing if it's like the owner of the Red Sox, maybe, you know, uh, or maybe Terry Francona was on that uh, on that things. So maybe he got his he got his butt beat too many times. But whoever that one guy was that didn't vote for him on the ballot, dude, shame on you. Anyways. So, uh, Derek Jeter comes into the league right out of high school. He was a first-round pick, sixth overall in the 1992 MLB amateur draft. So, he came from Central High School in Kalamazoo, Michigan. Uh, he debuted in May 29, 1995 uh, against the Seattle Mariners and. From then on, it was just all all hands on deck. Um, not enough could honestly be said about about Derek Jeter. Um, he was like I said, he was a class act on the field. He was a class act off the field. Um, I've had the pleasure of actually meeting him in person. Um, I didn't get to speak to him long, but. He's just one of the coolest guys, man. I, I grew up every every chance I could get to watch a Yankees game and live or on TV. Um, you know, it was always a good thing. Um, you know, career stats. I mean, he 3,465 hits, 260 home runs, a 310 batting average, uh, 1,311 RBIs, 358 stolen bases, uh, 1,923 runs, a 440 slugging percentage, uh, an OBP at 377. That's what 
uh, a true, true uh, all-star Hall of Fame legend is made. Uh, and they built that team. I don't want to say they built it around Derek Jeter, but they built the team around him. His personality rubbed off on everybody else on the field. And if you think of like the, the Yankees core, uh, the Bernie Williams, Derek Jeter, Kenny Lofton, uh, Jorge Posada, Mariano Rivera, Hideki Matsui, uh, the Mike Bucina, um, Andy Pettit, you know, all of these guys are neither a going to be in the hall of fame or B they're already in there. Um, and then you had some of the great supporting cast that, that he's had over the time. Aaron Boone, who's the current skipper of the Yankees now. Uh, Jason Giambi, Mark Teixeira, um, Roger Clemens, A-Rod, uh, Alfonso Soriano, uh, my boy Gary Sheffield. Probably one of my, I would say, top five players. I mean, of course, Jeter's number one. Uh, Gary Sheffield falls into that top five range. He was on there. You know, he just had so much talent around him, but he kept that locker room under control and kept his composure uh, together, you know, and kept the team's composure together. And, you know, I mean, the names are on Mr. November, the captain, Captain Clutch, you know. Uh, I, I can't I could literally just talk for two hours about this guy so I mean I'll, I'll I'll just I'll get to the point on you know congratulations for uh you know making it into the Hall of Fame uh congratulations on the career thank you for allowing all of us to just witness your your excitement and uh, I will be happy to see your number two retired uh, this year at Yankee Stadium. You know, you you pretty much made it. I think the feeling of not just Yankee fans, but I think a baseball fan. Yeah. Well, did you did you see the uh, uh, what what brand was it? I want to say it was Gatorade. I believe no, it was, was Gator. No, Gatorade that was or Nike. The, it was Gatorade the, or Nike, or it was. Well, they they did, Jordan, like, they did the Jordan ad. It was it was the Jordan ad when they're all Jordan tipping ad, okay. their hats, and the. And the commercial says it all. You have your traditional Yankees fans just all through the boroughs, Manhattan, Brooklyn, Bronx, uh, Staten Island, Queens, whatever. Um, and then you see, like, the Red Sox fans sitting in a bar, and they're like, yeah, you know, hats off to you. You're a hell of a player. And then, like, the Mets and then Mr. Met himself, and they blurred his little baseball face out. I thought that was cute. Um, and then you have, like, the pitcher in the Red Sox uniform. And just it just shows that everybody around the league had his respect. He never demanded it. He never asked for it. He just went out there and earned it every day, 162 games a season and, and played just, I mean, he, he played for 20 years. He, he, he was, he was, a, he was a 20 year, uh, 20 season player on the Yankees. And, uh, you know, I mean, there's this, there, there's no other feeling that that could be that awesome. I mean, it's just, you know, I, I like I said, I, I can't talk enough about this guy. His stats say, you know, say it, say it all. You know, and 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 they really do, Chris. And like I say, I think you speak for baseball fans just what you do for Met fans. Excuse me, not Met fans. I don't know how they got on this show, but for baseball fans, 
Because the one play I remember of Derek Jeter, out of, out of a career of great highlights, it was against the Oakland A's and the relay throw. Oh. And, I mean, we, we could debate, you know, safer out, but listen, I saw it. I slowed it down. The guy was out, and it was very, very close. I think it was Jeremy Giambi was the guy running home for the A's. And, and just if, if you didn't know how great he was then, and even when he went into the stands and just sacrificed, Derek Jeter was the guy. He was – he's kind of like when there's chaos, he's the calm. And, and you need that. And like you mentioned, Gary Sheff, you a lot of great locker room leaders – but Derek Jeter was the he was the epitome of calm in in the biggest market in the I could argue in the world. Yeah. And and he had he played for the most famous team, you know, probably one of the top five brands in the history of sports in the biggest media market. Well, and I would I, say the number one. I don't think there's a team bigger than the Yankees in any professional sport worldwide. Soccer well, over in Europe, everybody knows the pinstripes and the Yankees fitted. Everybody knows that. And, and but, the, but the reason why I say that is when you look at a brand, like people know the Yankees. There are people who do know. Like I, I throw in soccer from a goal perspective like Messi and Ronaldo. But when you look at Derek Jeter, and this is what I always say about when you're an athlete in New York, and it's very important that you have to handle the media. I said that when Sam Darnold got drafted for the Jets. He fit that city, not just from a X and O's perspective, but from a California cool perspective. Yep. And Derek Jeter had that California cool coming from Michigan. And 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 then run through. And I also want to throw out congratulations as well to uh, to Larry Walker. Yep. You know, you know, Larry Walker is one of the dudes who, you know, I don't know how to, you know. He played with the Expos and he played, you know, he played the majority of his career in Colorado. And I'm glad he got in. But, you know, but I do want to say this before we transition because I know you want to say something else about, you know, another New York athlete. But, you know, and I'll pose this question to you because it's a question that I've had. You know, when I saw the ballot, I, I expected Jeter to go in and didn't even question it. I even had Larry Walker on my ballot because he's such a great five tool player. It's very hard to ignore. If you, if you kind of take his career in Colorado, you can argue he was the best player on that team. You know, him and Todd Helton, we could debate that all day. But just the way he played the game in Colorado and coming from, from Montreal. But I also saw another name. There, there were two or three names on the list. And, you know, Kerr Schilling got really close. And, you know, Roger Clemens on the list, Barry Bond. So my question to you is, is that out of those three, and we all and we all know why they're, we all know why they're not in there. We we're not questioning the numbers, but it's it's a matter of perspective for some for some baseball purists. But if you look at the careers of Clemens, Schilling, and Bond, they're Hall of Famers, aren't they? Schilling, uh, yeah. Yeah, Sh- Schilling, I would say, yeah. Roger Clemens and uh, and Barry Bonds, I, I have a distaste for. It. Not so much, more so with Clemens than Bonds. Uh, Bonds, you could just look at him and be like, dude, you're next the size of, of Texas. Like, we know you're pumping. Um, 
Roger Clemens, well, it, it hurt me. So I, growing up, I pitched, mm-hmm. and I had I had three favorite pitchers: Roger Clemens, Andy Pettit, and Mariano Rivera. Well, I'm not left-handed, so I had to copy Clemens and and Rivera, and I can't throw that fast, so I more had to copy Clemens. And I idolized Clemens. And then when all of this stuff came out about the the steroids, and instead of just tucking his tail between his legs and saying, "Yeah, you know what, I fucked up," and uh, you know, I just need to to not do it again, he just fought so adamantly against it, and uh, it just it it really really broke my heart man you know it just i i was not uh a happy happy person to 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 see that so i'm happy that they don't that they're not in the hall of fame just yet um kurt schilling you know um even though we played him time and time again and he cost us a few pennants um the dude deserves uh you know to be in there i mean he definitely uh he definitely holds his own and, you know, I, I think that the same feeling that you have about Clemens, I have about Bond, and, th- and this is why. Because, you know, well, first and foremost, Kerr Schilling, I think he should be in because of his postseason. I think the way he pitched in the postseason, the bloody stock, the way he pitched in the postseason, you know, especially for that team in Boston, I can't think of their name. But, you know, y- you guys are smart. You know what I'm talking about. But... But going back to how the, the way that you feel about Roger Clemens is the same way I feel about Barry Bonds. Because growing up, you know, because being like I, I've always said that I was always a baseball fan first. And but, you know, you know, outside of, you know, being a Cubs fan, I love the players. My favorite player of all time was Willie Mays. Because in, in my opinion, Willie Mays did everything that the game required. He could hit. He could run. You know, and he could field. He could he had one of the greatest catches probably in baseball history over his shoulder. Yeah. And 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 and, it, and then when I found the connection between him and, and Barry Bonds, not saying that the, it, it hurt me because you had a great example, Barry and Willie Mays. You and what hurt me the most about Barry Bonds is that look, Roger Clemens. Yeah, he didn't. It's kind of like when they had that committee. Like, Rafael Palmeiro, I can remember thinking, saying, I didn't take steroids, period. I'm like, buddy. Buddy. Like, it's like you got caught with the knife with the blood on it, and you're still denying it. But but, but going back to Barry Bonds, I look at his career, and I and, and, and I get into base with people and saying, listen, to be honest, Chris, being, you know, I, I, I don't usually agree with baseball peers because they're very nitpicky. You know, they're very, they're not changing with the game in some aspects. Some parts I agree and some parts I don't. But not having Barry Bonds in, I think it's the right call because to put it in perspective, what, you know, listen, before that point, you know, Roger Maris had 60, what, 61 home runs. And, you know, then Mark McGuire came and beat it with 70 and then Barry Bonds did. But we thought that 60 home runs was not out of the realm of possibility. Yeah. Because of the era in which it happened. They played with, with lesser grade equipment. You know, the balls weren't as, uh, as tightly wound the bats didn't have the the engineering that they do today so that was a lot that was a hell 61 knocks by maris was was a godsend you know uh i i think in in the next couple of years i think we could potentially see um 
that record be broken by a non-steroided person just due to the the technology the bats the balls and then also just the athletes you know look, look at you got these guys like uh aaron judge playing baseball yeah Mike uh, Trout, uh, you know uh that what's his face from the twins um i can't think of his name right now we'll circle back to him but you got these guys that are just typically not built for baseball coming up there and cranking out 500 plus foot balls yeah you know I can I, I can see it happening. My thing is, my thing is, Chris, is that, you know, like you said, but when I look at like Giancarlo Stanton, I remember he hit a home run, I when he was with the Marlins, and I don't think that ball still landed yet. He hit that ball years ago. Yeah, he put it right through the roof. <laughs> and, and like, it, it, you know, imagine being a roofer, like you know, son of a. So yeah. you got a clock. So you're like, you got a patch patchwork but I, I do agree i give it about five to ten years that record's going to be broken but, yeah, but given that context but going back to barry bonds real quick you know what disappointed me about barry bonds is, is that i understand that you know people can sit there if, if he wouldn't have did it chris he was a hall of famer i think that's what really pissed me off the most is is that if you look at barry bonds's career when he was at pittsburgh boy that guy was talented mm-hmm and when he went to San Francisco, Chris, he, to me, Chris, he was on the draft of being a Hall of Famer before he did steroids. And I guess that's what irks me the most yep. is, is that I can understand how you feel about Roger Clemens because I can make the same point. About oh, Clemens. absolutely. Yeah, absolutely. And, and, and like it's the same thing with, uh, with Bonds for me. I feel the same way. It's just that Clemens sits a little bit more home to me because he played yeah. for, for the Yankees. I, I grew up watching him, um, you know. So, But, yeah, no, same thing with Bonds. It irks me in that perspective because if you take it out, Chris, like there's some players who had to use steroids. Like I'm not going to name names, but Barry Bonds didn't. He didn't need to. Roger Clemens definitely didn't yeah. because th- this dude was throwing gas in the 80s. This dude struck out 20 dudes, like, and, and then he went home and had a couple of beers like it was nothing. Yeah. Th- to me – his career, and I understand the fountain is youth, and you want to, but to me, if your trajectory, just like Ken Griffey Jr. never did it, as much as Ken Griffey Jr. got hurt, never, he never, never touched the sauce. He, he never touched because he knew the minute that he hung up, he hung up his cleats, he was a Hall of Famer. Yep. And, but you know, it, it was very disheartening. And I know, especially for you as Roger Clemens fan, as a Yankee fan. But speaking of, let's stay in New York and talk well, about another. So before we venture off baseball, you want to hear an all-star list of Derek Jeter? Go ahead. Girlfriends? So there are a few girls in Derek Jeter's life, which may have contributed to his Hall of Fame playing oh, capabilities. So starting at first base, we have Jordana Brewster. Oh, my God. On second base, we have Adriana Lima. Third base, Vanessa Minilano. Catching, ah. Minka Kelly. Oh, Shortstop, Scarlett Johansson. Left field, Mariah Carey. Center field, Jessica Alba. Right field, Jessica Beal. At your DH spot, Tyra Banks. And pitching is Hannah Davis. Oh, my God. You know, well, you know. <sighs> I've wanted to give that stat all day. I've been so excited. Uh, y- you know, 
I'm, you know, and honestly, see the, 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 I was listening to every word you were saying, honest to God. And then the baseball kicked in for me. I'm like, you know, at short, how about short? I'm like, you know, I'm sitting there going, like, look, this is, this is what I, listen, Derek Jeter is not an ugly man. I think we could both say that comfortably. He's not Absolutely. Like, you know, anytime you can get arguably the best thing of our generation and dot, 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 Every Kelly. Yeah, Mika, you know, like, you know. <laughs> All of it. God bless. God so, bless. Jeter, I tip my cat off, my cap off to you. I shall always tip it off. And uh, opening season every year, I still wear your jersey for good luck. So, oh, captain, my captain. Now, for you baseball fans, we only have 63 days, 6 hours, 5 minutes, and 38 seconds until the first pitch is thrown. Just in case you were counting. Yeah, you, you sound like that song from Rent. We go five hundred. You, you sound like that song, and, you know, <laughs> but it fits because it all fits because it's Broadway. That's so it. that's it. So, you know, fun the, fact. Yeah, the, the circle and stay in New York. Uh, another New York Empire State of Mind athlete of greatness just announces retirement. We'll be making official on Friday. Uh, Eli Manning. After 15 years of dedicated service to the uh, New York Giants, is finally hanging it up. In that time, he's played uh, 236 games. He has completed 4,895 passes with a 60.3% completion ratio. He threw for 57,023 yards. Uh, He threw 366 touchdowns. 244 picks so uh now most importantly out of all of those stats the most important thing in eli's career that he has ever done not only once but twice he was the obi-wan to darth vader and he toppled the almighty new england patriots in the super bowl not once but twice uh eli has been on a downward slope the past couple years age caught up with him Lack of talent caught up with him. And uh, the old Miss guy just couldn't hang in there. Now you got, you know, uh, Jones dropping dimes in there for him. Um, thank you for playing. Uh, thank you for, uh, even though I'm a Jets fan, I, I root for the Giants anytime that uh, they play the Patriots um, or the Cowboys or really any other team that everybody hates. Um, but. Again, stellar career, stellar athlete. Uh, I'm not going to give you the walk-off that I gave uh, Eli Manning, but uh, or excuse me, that I gave Derek Jeter, but Eli, hell of a career, happy retirement. Maybe you and your brother can film some uh, nationwide commercials with uh, that country dude. Oh Yeah, yeah those, those commercials with Brad Paisley are great. Yeah. Oh, dude, yeah, like Peytonville, where he has like Payton- a whole underground it's, fucking it's, it's like It's like when Brad Paisley walked in, oh, so you built it. <laughs> Yeah, it's like uh, he walks in like I needed more space. <laughs> that's great. And, and then and then just to wrap up um, the UFC fight this past weekend, UFC 246, McGregor versus Cerrone. Jesus. Um, you know that was that was a very pleasurable forty seconds. <laughs> and, and, you um, know, for the record, like ladies, that it's possible. So you yeah. know. That was that that was a fun fight to watch. The whole card uh, was from I we actually I, I caught the prelims at about nine o'clock, and then uh, the, and then the rest of the fights. I was actually at a work function and was kind enough 
to uh, grab because you know you got to do everything with this ESPN Plus app now, which now it comes in handy. Uh, I was out of town. I was at a, a corporate meeting, so all the the managers and all of us were together. So we went down to the bar at the hotel. Uh, I had the guys chum up some money together to tip the bartender pretty heavily because we had our own liquor and own booze from doing the axe throwing beforehand. Uh, I ordered the fight and was able to plug it into the TV. So it, it, it was fun. A, I got to, you know, hang with the coworkers and I, uh, you know, got to plug it in there. But damn it, that whole fight card was just amazing. And Conor McGregor is back. Yeah. He is back. Uh, he just, he came prepared for that fight. Um, he wasn't an asshole. He didn't go buck wild out in the post-fight interview. Uh, he kept his composure. Maybe we're seeing a new Conor McGregor. Maybe his agent's like, dude, you got to calm that shit down. Stop fighting old people and throwing uh, things through bus windows and your your career shall flourish. Other than that. Great life advice. That's it. Yeah, literally, that's the life advice. Don't act like an asshole. Don't beat up old people and don't throw bar stools at tour buses. I promise you, your life will be better if you don't do those those three things. I mean, I mean, look what happened when Russell Crowe stopped, you know, throwing phones. The guy became a great actor. So, exactly. you know, I'm just saying, folks, there's a correlation. That's all. That's it, that's, man. That's all we're just conveying to you, the audience. Other so, than that, that's I know this is a shorter episode than normal, but that's that's all I got, my man. This is a very lackadaisical week. It wasn't a lot going on in the sports world. So uh, that's that's on my plate. Yeah. yeah you know, uh, you know, like I say, I'm trying to get into UFC, and I, you know, I didn't even watch it, Chris, not because I didn't want to, but I sensed it. You know, when the minute I saw when the card was announced, when I saw that matchup, Conor McGregor, because he had something to prove, and yeah. one of the things, in any time, I don't care if you're a UFC fighter, I don't care if you're an NBA player, I don't care if you're a regular Joe like you and I, when you have something to prove, you're focused, and and I knew Connor understood that if he would have lost that fight, Chris, I would have been. I think that would have been over for him in his career. I, it would have been a very Ronda Rousey like uh, loss. That, that, that's a very good. That's a very good analogy because I was going to use that same point because I saw Ronda Rousey Holly home because I like Ronda Rousey a lot, and and I could argue that you know when Ronda Rousey she went to WWE and you know as a wrestling fan I'm not going to get into that's a whole episode in itself, but. If if she if when she lost, she left because she knew that like she was a heavy favorite. Like like folks, we're not talking like you know one and a half. No, we're talking she was supposed to knock out Holly Holm. Yeah, it was like a three hundred plus fight on on Vegas odds. Like that was going to be exactly. a, a payday for a lot of people. Exactly, it, it was supposed to be over. Like if you want to use you know crossover sports, this will be over by the first. This will be over by the first quarter. Yeah, like, like in the first couple of drives, you knew it was over. But and I, but I'm glad he won. And and one of the things that I'll say before we go, because once again, it's a shorter episode. But next week we're gonna preview the Super Bowl and have and have a couple of fun stuff next week. But before we go, I just wanna I just wanna you know talk about Antonio Brown just real briefly, <laughs> because and when I mean brief, I mean because let's be clear. Stop you know doing how, dumb shit, Antonio Brown. Because I'm not going to tell you what he did. There's Google for that. I'm not going to, you know, I, you know, when I when I research to do every episode, Chris, I was going to really research. No, I didn't. 
because you know why, Chris? He doesn't deserve the research. Yeah, you know what? That's why in our in our pre thing, I I talked about saying something. I said, you know what? The hell with him. He's not. He's not even worth my time. Yeah, he's not. And and all I'm gonna simply say is the same thing that we've both said. It's just that listen, your fall from grace. You were on the Pittsburgh Steelers, one of the marquee franchises in sport, in American sports. You were the, you were you had a great ownership, you had great talent, and you were still that guy. Yep. So you know, still an asshole. And you went to Oakland, and they, and you know what John Gruden said? Well, we're straight out of time. With we're straight out. We're straight out of patience. They went from straight out of confidence to straight out of patience really quick. And they and and somehow and somehow Chris he lands in New England. Chris, that's like landing from a bottom company to a fortune 500 company yep it, it, it kind of feels like it has that house of cards kind of feel <laughs> you know it, i know if you have kevin spacey i know send me your but it had that type of vibe and then he blew it there and i said it then chris if you remember and i'll say it now when he when new england says they're done with you no team's gonna touch you yep they're done yeah because <sighs> i'm gonna sit there and tell antonio brown is that before you try to be a better player be a better person that's all I'm going to say. That's Once it, Once again, man. look in the mirror and figure it out. And speaking of looking in the mirror, I'm looking at myself. Eh, it's average. But what's not average, this episode has been fantastic. Once again, next week, we're going to preview the Super Bowl and give you the prediction. That for the record, America, if you're listening, I got the Super Bowl right. Listen, I didn't get the fantasy thing right. I didn't get the fantasy thing right. Got this so, right, though. So this this is my mea culpa. I got it right. I got it right. I'm like like listen. I I had to be. I I barely won the pick, so I'm like that's not good enough. I said I have to you know get the pick right, Oops, and I did. But so we'll preview that, and we'll have so much more fun. So so once again, the social media at Sports the World on Twitter and Instagram. It's at Sports the World, and Facebook page is Sports and the World. Ampersand for the word. And listen to this episode and every episode by going to the About tab. Leave your thoughts, comments, all that good stuff. Give us your thoughts on what you thought of the fight and anything we talked about today or stuff you want us to talk about. But un- until we talk again, until you hear us again, I'm Ladarius. And I'm Chris. Be real, be you, be blessed. And remember to stick around for the bonus segment of this show where I talk about the NFL minority hiring. Until then, folks, be safe. See you. Hello, this is Ladarius here from Sports in the World Football Edition. And I'm here to answer last week's trivia question. And once again, that trivia question was, what's the commonality between these quarterbacks? John Elway, Terry Bradshaw, Otto Graham, Steve Fuller, and David Woodland. And the clue was, think college. And if you would have thought of college, it would have led you to the answer of, by college... They have the most NFL playoff wins at quarterback. John Elway has 14 playoff wins. He went to Stanford. That's most by a Stanford quarterback. Terry Bradshaw, also 14, most by a Louisiana Tech quarterback. Otto Graham, eight, most by a Northwestern quarterback. Steve Fuller, one, by a Clemson quarterback. And David Woodley, three, at at LSU. So I hope I didn't stump you too bad, but here's also this week's trivia question. As mentioned in the podcast, Jimmy Garoppolo was the sixth quarterback to throw 
under 100 yards in a conference championship game. Four of those quarter, four of the previous five quarterbacks, went on to lose the Super Bowl. But which quarterback was the only one to win a Super Bowl who threw under 100 yards in their conference championship game? And your clue is, think Disneyland. Once again, your question is, who was the only quarterback in NFL history to throw under 100 yards in a conference championship game to go on and win the Super Bowl? Your clue, once again, is think Disneyland. Good luck, and you'll get the answer here next week here on Sports of the World Football Edition.